Today's Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Squarespace. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install, patch or upgrade ever. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code NBA and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We also want to tell you about the ringer.com where you can find a myriad of coverage on March Madness, which is kicking off this week. If you're an NBA fan looking to get into the zeitgeist to the biggest month of college basketball, go partake in Big Bracket Nation, where you can vote on the best former Kentucky Wildcats playing in the NBA. Also, keep tuning in to One Shining Podcast with Titus and Tate for the best March Madness discussions on the airwaves. You can find it all at the ringer.com and the Ringer Podcast Network. And now, the Ringer NBA Show. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Concert, <laughs> aka Kevin O'Model, aka Kevin O'Conflict. <laughs> Kevin Verno, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, for those that saw our Twitter interaction, it was, I believe, last Friday. I ran into one of our biggest listeners, and it happened to be a halftime performer at NBA games. Christian Stonyev is his name. He got famous or got the gigs by um, he did great on America's Got Talent. So his whole bit is he's got he's got a dog with him. Like he does all like kind of like the Cirque du Soleil type stuff, right, where he can balance himself, you know, on a pole and then the dog jumps on him and. And the dog like runs on a basketball too, which is rather unbelievable. Right? <laughs> the, dog, yeah. the dog can run around on a basketball and like it's a it's a great halftime show, right? So, anyways, I, I get to the game and our game ops people are like, hey, there's this guy and he really, really wants to meet you. And I was like, okay. And they're like, he says he's a big fan of the Ringer NBA show. He's actually performing at our halftime tonight. And I was like, oh man, well, I gotta go meet this guy. And it's the Act is called Christian and Scooby. Scooby's, of course, the dog, right? So I go back there and meet him. He listens to every episode of the Ringer NBA show. He travels, to, obviously, to all these NBA arenas. Happens to be a massive Raptors fan, which is interesting, right? You don't come across hmm. all that many Raptors fans in the wild. But anyway, he, he obviously listens to the point where he even brought up you and Tinder, so I was like, wow, this guy really does listen. <laughs> oh Says he wants to be your wingman, lives in L.A., so this has got to happen, especially if you bring Scooby along. But anyway, what do you think I asked him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How do you even figure out that you can do a halftime show with a dog jumping on top of you and uh, doing all okay. these tricks, right? Okay. This story, Kevin, unbelievable. I'll keep it short. <laughs> Mom, circus performer, dad, Circus performer. Ah. Okay. Two circus performers. So the kid grows up in the circus. He grows up in New York. They're in the Big Apple Circus is the name of it, right? I've been to the Big Apple Circus. I've been to that before when I was a kid. So he leaves New York after high school, after, of course, being brought up in the circus. He goes to college for the circus. Circus. <laughs> and I was like, what? Circus? I was like, where do you, like, what kind of classes? do you take for circus? And he's like, no, no, it's not like a major. It's like the football team or the water polo team or whatever. Right. And I was like, what? And he said, there's two schools in the country that offer circus. And so I got a full ride to Illinois state university. Oh my God. And I was like, wait, what? This whole story is crazy. He goes to Illinois state university. He says they practice like circus stuff like three or four hours a day, just like a team would. And he got a full ride for circus. What? I said, Illinois State. I said, where is the other school that offers circus? You want to take a stab at it? I don't know. Duke. <laughs> Coach K coaches hey, the team. <laughs> hey, almost as funny. Florida State. Really? 
Seriously. Yes, those are the, there's two schools in the country that offer circus, Illinois State and Florida State. And he wanted to go to Florida State, but he got a full ride to Illinois State. Like Jimbo Fisher coaches the team. I have never heard of such a thing in my life. Did you even know you could go to school for circus, much less get a scholarship for it? I had no idea, man. <laughs> I said, I said, interesting. I, 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 I came home and I told my wife, I said, my daughter, she, she's got to grow a beard. <laughs> like, you'll be the bearded lady and get a full ride to Illinois State. Would have been funny if like Jonathan Isaac and Dwayne Bacon <laughs> come out in last year's draft and like says the list all the players, what they majored in. It's like communication, psychology. And then for Jonathan <laughs> Isaac, it's circus. <laughs> <laughs> At Florida State. <laughs> Yeah, the Florida State Circus Department. I don't even know. I guess they have like a big top, and I, I don't know. I mean, do they have the animals there and everything? Like I didn't. I, I had so many questions. I just let it go. But anyway, shout out to Christian. He's got a great NBA halftime act. He's a big listener to the show, and the story is something that I will never forget, and hopefully none of our listeners will. Last night was extremely interesting because by far. The most pressing story regarding the outcomes of last night's game was what was going to happen between the Spurs and the Rockets, which, of course, especially given the uh, the fact that the Spurs were without Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge last night and the Rockets have been beaten by virtually nobody, that the Rockets would win. But the impact that that would have and the impact that has is for the first time this season, we look at the standings. And the Spurs are not involved in the playoffs right now. They sit at 10th as of right now. And the Jazz are now in the playoffs as virtue of winning six in a row and eight of their last 10. And they have had this great record since Gobert came back. They're now in the eighth seed. The Clippers are in the seventh seed. So the Spurs right now are 10. Do you foresee any circumstance where the Spurs are not a playoff team this year? Yes, Wrote about it last week where they have an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly tough schedule. Talked about it yesterday with Shay and, you know, Shay Serrano, who I love very much and respect very much and enjoy his books very much. It's a rough spot for the Spurs. If Kawhi comes back on Thursday like he's supposed to and he pretty soon becomes typical Kawhi, then I definitely think they have a real shot at making the playoffs. They do anyway because they're the Spurs. But their schedule is really tough, Chris. It's really hard. You have, it says, all right, so they're 37 and 30. So they're talking 15 more games. Mm -hmm. You got 15 games and they've lost three in a row. They've lost eight of their last 10 and they are, so you got 15 games left to go. What number do you think the eight seed has? I think that's what we need to examine first, right? Well, let's outline their remaining schedule. With 15 games, they only have two games versus quote unquote tanking teams. They face Orlando okay. tonight and then the second to last game of the season is against Sacramento. So they have okay. 13 games against teams that are either in the playoffs or really hot or in the playoffs right now. So they have two against New Orleans, two against Washington, one against Milwaukee, one against Golden State. Uh, they face Utah, the Clippers, the Lakers, Blazers. I might, I might, might be missing a couple. They have one more against Houston as well. Their schedule is just like gauntlet, and then it's really tough. Like they need to, they need to win at least half these, right? Maybe more. All right. Well, let's just say. All right. So we'll give the two for certains, which were the Sacramento Kings and who Orlando. We'll give them tonight. Okay, that would get them to thirty nine. Yeah, thirty nine with thirteen left, and you listed off the other ones. And that's the question: How many of those thirteen are you going to need? What number do we think the eight seed has? Hmm. I mean, it's going to be pretty high. Like we get three teams right now, thirty-seven and thirty, and then you get okay. the Clippers at thirty-six and twenty-nine, and the seventh seed. It's got to be forty-four at a minimum, right? It could actually end up being like you needed forty-seven to get in. Interestingly enough, right now, you know, every day ESPN has that BPI playoff odds that they update every day. And as of right now, they give the San Antonio Spurs a 71% chance to make the playoffs, but they would be the eight seed hmm. and they would have 46 wins. 46 and 36 is the projected outcome for them. The teams on the outside looking in would be the Clippers and the Nuggets. I think I kind of, I think I kind of agree with the BPI number here. Well, 538 looks at it a little bit differently, Chris. They, they okay. have the Spurs only at 50%. 52% for the Clippers, 48% for the Nuggets. So, like, they're calling it a toss-up for that eight seed, which is interesting. And, well, obviously, we have to throw in the fact that Kawhi Leonard's going to be back. And if yes. he is any semblance of Kawhi Leonard top five player in the league, 
you know, what percentage of that level player do you get out of him? It's clearly extremely significant, especially with 15 games left to go. And if this is, let's just say that 46 is the number that it takes. I do think, I mean, that would be winning those two that we talked about. And then in those other 13 going seven and six would get you to 46. If that is the number, right? What a friggin' nightmare that would be if you're Houston. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine you finally get the number? Like it would be so wild if you, you fight and you fight and you fight and you get the one seed. And then it's like the worst thing ever to have the one seed. Because Golden State would get to play New Orleans, and you've got to play the friggin' Spurs with Kawhi Leonard back. That's true, but uh, you know, also on the other hand, you might be looking at that like, okay, this is our time to show everybody that we're for real. Like, if you're if you're the Rockets, if you're a player on that team, you're like, okay, people were saying this team actually has a chance at beating us when we just killed them last month. Let's show them like that we're for real. We're, we're a real one seed. We're a real threat. And if you like, if you face the Spurs in round one and everybody's hyping it up as this tough matchup and then you go out and sweep them, I think that says a lot. Do you want the Spurs if you're the Rockets or do you just feel like, I mean, like Hell I mean, I'm just saying, right? For the challenge of it, dude. For the challenge. A 0% <laughs> chance that they sweep them. A 0% chance they sweep them. And you've got that mental block. This team boned you on your home floor <laughs> with the season on the line without yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Last I year. Know. And I get it. They're different. <laughs> they're better. They've got Chris Paul now, but they are so much better. They might be better than anybody you play in terms of equipped to give you problems if you are the Rockets. It would be possible. That outside, and, and we don't know what the Warriors and Steph Curry's had four ankle injuries already this year. Iguodala was just out, obviously. I know yep. he was game time uh, on Sunday, but you know, they are, and, and they're going to be playing a hundred games for, you know, the fourth consecutive season or whatever it is. But I could see the, the Spurs being, I mean, that's a team they've got, they've got the most experience and they've got the most playoff victories underneath their belt. And, and if they have Kawhi, they by far have the best team. You you would hope to not have to face them uh, at all or in the West Finals. Because if you are, for sure, right, you would play theoretically if everything would have stayed the same and those were the top three teams as we thought all season, it would be the Warriors that ha- have to catch them in order to get to the Western Conference Finals by virtue of of the Rockets being the one seed. And that's what we talked about so much through the year. How significant was that one seed? And I kept saying, it's not as much the home court advantage as it is getting away from San Antonio. And that's why I say, it because I think there is a real difference between those three and everybody else. Nobody else has proven anything. Anything. Portland's never proven anything. Minnesota's never proven anything. This incarnation of Oklahoma City, Utah, New Orleans, None of these teams have done squat. San Antonio, on the other hand, you don't want any part of them. That would be a nightmare. I mean, it says it all that the Spurs haven't haven't missed the playoffs since the 1996-97 season. They've had so many different types of rosters that have all found success. And this year's team is good. They're not a bad team at all. They've struggled lately. But that has a lot to do with missing your best player. Uh, I hope they make the playoffs. I hope Kawhi gets back and he's healthy. It's just there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty with that team. But if Kawhi's back and if Kawhi's healthy, if they're able to play basketball like they did earlier in the season, up until maybe early January, they're certainly a threat, Chris. You're right. Yeah, you're going up against Popovich. You know he's going to make those adjustments. And the other thing is you never know what's going to happen throughout the course of a series. Sometimes Draymond Green punches LeBron James in the nuts, and sometimes Kawhi (laughs) Leonard lands on Zaza Pachulia's foot, right? You just want to be playing the inferior teams, and there's no doubt that a fully equipped Spurs team is better than any of those others that you would face. I'd rather face Portland. Portland's a three-seed. I'd rather face them. People picked the Spurs ahead of the Rockets before the season. Obviously, that that ended up not being the right choice, but it just speaks to how how talented the Spurs team is when Kawhi is healthy. It'll just be interesting to see what happens moving forward because some of the surrounding pieces perhaps haven't developed as much as they would have expected or hoped to over the course of the season. 
You said last week that you were becoming a Portland believer, and I I must tell you that while I, I was a bit skeptical, they have been rocking, and they have won 10 games in a row. They got a 10-game winning streak going. They are now two games up in the standings on the four seed, which would be Oklahoma City at this point, and they are, obviously, they have no chance at the one or the two. Those are all locked in, but Portland certainly has a chance to be a home court advantage team, and they have won 10 games in a row. Is this team much more dangerous than maybe we have given it credit for? And when I say that we've all thought it was a foregone conclusion that Houston and Golden State will be there in the end, and they've established themselves throughout this season as the two best teams. I've told you I think San Antonio is still super dangerous for either of them, but how dangerous is Portland for either of them? Well, if Lillard continues just channeling Stephen Curry's 2015 season, they definitely are somebody who can stay in games or, or get themselves back into games or extend leads. Uh, Damian Lillard, since February 1st, is averaging... 32 points on 40% shooting from three. Super efficient, scoring from all levels of the floor, six assists, to only three turnovers. Dude is just unbelievable right now. Did you see the the highlights or the full game last night against Miami? Or really, what I should say is against any team this, these last two months, dude has just been outstanding night in and night out. 50 against the Kings, 32 last night against Miami. Dropped 44 against Golden State last month. Dude is just unstoppable right now. You know, and I gained a—obviously, a, a, I always had respect for the guy and thought he was an outstanding player, but I gained a new level of respect earlier this year, at the beginning of the year. The Grizzlies took a second-round pick named Ivan Rabb out of California, former McDonald's All-American, and uh, obviously big buddies with Jalen Brown. But uh, somehow, th- those guys are big buddies, right? I, I suppose from the same area. And Lillard kind of took him under his wing. And he, at one point, I was having a conversation with him and said he worked out with him during the summer. And it was a colossal wake-up call as to why the great players in the NBA are great. (laughs) And he said, because in the middle of the summer, right, he is there early in the morning and he is taking a million shots and he is adding things to his game. And he was just like this. This eye-opening experience for a kid that was just about to come into the league that in many cases, yes, there is unbelievable talent, but what differentiates guys like Lillard is his work ethic is just outrageous. And I don't think that's something that has necessarily tagged Lillard, right? You don't hear about that. We always heard about, you know, Kobe Bryant's work ethic and Michael Jordan's work ethic and all these guys, right? People talk about Dame as a rapper. That's what they do. Yeah, right. I haven't heard as many stories about that, but he said this guy is absolutely ferocious and it's every day, every single day, no days off, and he is just constantly working. And obviously it pays dividends, right? Because he is, what season are we in? And he's getting better. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. Like sometimes with these players when they enter their mid-20s. Like, Lillard is 27 years old right now. A lot of times when these guys are 24, 25, you think they're finished products. But that's not necessarily the case. Lillard today is significantly better than he was just two years ago when he was already at all-star level, 25-point-per-game scorer. He's continued to evolve his game, and that's what the game's great players do. They don't stay the same. They constantly reinvent themselves when they're already at the top or when it seems like they're at the top of their own respective skill level. Lillard is somebody still getting better. And right now, he's just putting the Blazers on his back, and it's remarkable to watch. He looks like Stephen Curry, not 2.0, but he looks like a clone of Stephen Curry these last two months. Got to watch him play. Think about Steph a couple years ago. That's what it feels like watching Dame right now. We know that against the Rockets and against the Warriors, you have to hope that they do not shoot high percentages from three. But the other thing is what has been commonplace of, of teams that have given them problems over the years is you have got to be able to rebound, kill them on the boards. And it's damn near every night, Kevin, either Ed Davis or or Yusef Nurkic is it like 15, 16 rebounds. I mean, they are really, really rebounding, which I think is a big part of why their defense has taken a big tick up this year, because clearly the last line of defense is getting the ball back, right? Limiting these teams <laughs> to taking one shot. And so they've they've had some big rebound numbers out of a couple of their guys. 
and they don't go to the bench and it be this big downturn on that. I don't know why the hell they were playing Vonley at the beginning of the year. <laughs> like that, that experiment ended, but like <laughs> shots fired and Noah Vonley. <laughs> well, seriously, what, can you believe he was a starter for that team? Yeah, no. I mean, that's bananas. It's speaking about rebounding. Dame also averages four and a half rebounds per game. Great rebounder as a point guard. All right, so we got the, the, that 10-game win streak, and it's not just a bunch of rat teams. Golden State at Utah, Minnesota, Oak City, Golden State again. I mean, these are good wins, really good wins. It's not like, uh, of course, they're sprinkled in there, Phoenix, Sacramento, and the Lakers and the Knicks. Lakers have been good. That, that's a good win right now. Well, and not only are they winning, they beat Golden State by 17. They beat Miami last night by 16. They beat Minnesota by 9. Uh, you know, obviously they smoke uh Sacramento. They won that game at Utah, a hundred to eighty one. I mean, you go at Utah and win by nineteen. I don't know, man. Wait, when you said a hundred to eighty one, I was like a hundred with a hundred eighty one. I, I misheard. I was like, I would have believed you. No, because they've been that hot. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, hundred to eighty one. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think that they're good enough to beat those top two. But I certainly have come around to the fact that they could make their life hell and maybe make it a six or seven game series. That would not be the craziest thing ever to me. For sure. Right. You need balance. And Portland has balance with its firepower on offense. It's good defense and it's elite rebounding. They have balance. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. First, I want to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring, posting your position on job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you'd never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter helps you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. One more time, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Oklahoma City has made a surge a little bit. They have won three games in a row. They are seven and three in their last 10. And unbelievably, they were on the cusp of not being a playoff team. But this is the way the standings go, right? You're on the cusp of not being a playoff team. And the next thing you know, you're the four seed, which is where they stand right now. You know, it feels like we've just gone a roller coaster with them, right? You watch Oklahoma City sometimes and you think, oh boy, if they get it figured out or, you know, we, you saw that game against the Warriors earlier this year where they were mega impressive. And I know Carmelo didn't play in that game, but George and Westbrook both simultaneously were amazing. And Steven Adams uh, was a force to be reckoned with in that particular game. What are we thinking on Oklahoma City? Are we starting to believe that they could be just talent why because of their level of talent a dangerous team for one of the top seeds in the playoffs you know I, no I'm, I'm thinking that they also like the spurs have just an incredibly difficult schedule they face atlanta tonight they face memphis last game of the season but between that clippers raptors celtics heat blazers spurs nuggets pelicans warriors rockets heat that's a lot of tough teams a lot of really tough teams. So, yes, like you said, they've won three in a row, but those wins are against Phoenix, blah, against the Spurs, who are struggling right now, and then against the Kings uh, last night. They're surging, but it's against not-so-great teams at this moment. So they're still only up two games. They're the four seed, but they're only up two games on the Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets, and Spurs, <laughs> who are tied at seven and eight. So this could flip quickly for the Thunder just as as it could the other way for the Nuggets or the Spurs or or the Clippers could surge up the standings too for that matter. The West is so wacky, man, and that's why I'm looking so much at the schedule. They have these games against the teams that they need to beat. Those are going to be the games that ultimately determine who gets in. If the Thunder beat the Clippers, they take care of business against the Spurs and the Nuggets, they'll be in for damn sure. But if they drop those games, week next Tuesday... Next Tuesday, depending on how they do the rest of this week, we could be talking about the Thunder being on the outside looking in of the playoffs. 
All right, pull those up real quick because, uh, all right, so you got the Thunder one up right now, right? Because one of the things that has been interesting is they have been an under 500 team on the road, but have won virtually two out of every three games at home. The same goes with San Antonio. In fact, they have won even more. Uh, they've won like three out of every four games uh, at home, whereas they have a 14-22 and 22 away record. So both of those teams have really struggled on the road and yet have these extremely good home, uh, home records, uh, no matter opponent. So how many of those Oklahoma cities are home versus road? When you're talking about the in-betweens, let's give them the Memphis game and the other game that you had mentioned. Who was it? Phoenix, I think it was. Five at home. Clippers, Heat, mm. Blazers, Nuggets, Warriors, and then the rest are on the road besides the two games versus the Tankers. Yeah, so if you split. played that to form, if you played that to form, right, and we say we've got five at home, and let's give them the, we'll say at minimum they get three of those. So we'll give them three there, and then we say they, they're about 500 team on the road, so they split the other ones. You say eight on the road. So I'd give them seven more wins. I'd get them to forty-seven. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be fighting. That, that's got to be the number, right? Like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but what is the number mm. that you need to get in? It's got to be forty-six, right? All those teams there at the bottom that are fighting for it. Clippers have a couple extra games to be played. They are right now sitting at sixty-five games, so they'll have seventeen. Whereas the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Spurs all have 15 remaining. Oklahoma City only has 13 remaining. Yeah, because they're at 69 right now. Nice. <laughs> 30. You like that? Yeah, that's good. 37 and 30. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, what are they going to go? I think probably 46. What, that'd be 9 and 6 the rest of the way? 9 and 6 the rest of the way? I'd say 46, 47. You're right there. I'd be scared if I had 46. I'd feel okay if I had 47. Yeah, I think so, which seems rather high, but I think it seems appropriate for this season. Oh, the Spurs will go. If they get Kawhi back, they'll go 10 and 5. I'm just telling you, they get in the eight seed. I would just be like, oh, give me a break. How the friggin' Spurs the eight seed? I don't know, man. Right now. I mean, there's. You don't know. You don't know if they're going to go 10 and 5 the I rest mean, of the way. Like I said, you got to look at the other schedule. Like a team like the Nuggets, they have a run where they're facing the Pistons, the Grizzlies, the Bulls. I mean, there's a lot of tough games left for any of these Western Conference teams, but like that one extra game against a tanking team might make a difference. Mm-hmm. Or not against the tanker necessarily, but a, but a, a poor team. For sure. All right. Let's flip to the Eastern Conference right now. And I'll be damned. The Pacers are the three seed as of this morning. I mean, how crazy is that? At the beginning of this season, I mean, there is always somebody that wildly outperforms what we think they are going to do. But this is, this is another level for the Pacers to be the third ranked team record wise in the Eastern Conference. I mean, unless you're talking about like, the first 10 games of the season. But when we're talking about, they are, they have played 67 games so far. And right now they are the three seed with Cleveland being the four seed. They're a half game up on Cleveland as time of recording. I feel like they are the, a rather unbelievable story. I mean, I don't think, I guess maybe New Orleans, I'd say New Orleans without their success, without Boogie and the Pacers would be the two biggest stories in terms of outperforming what they thought. We clearly thought the Pelicans were dead without Boogie, and that has been the total opposite of what has happened. And the Pacers, I mean, I think right now they have 39 wins with 15 games remaining. And I think at the beginning of the season, if you would have said, I mean, their over-under number probably had to be close to that, right? 39? They're probably supposed to be about a 500 team. Is that correct? Yes. And they're only getting better too, Chris. Only getting better. Miles Turner, 21 years old. Demonta Sabonis, 21 years old. Victor Oladipo, 25 years old. That that team, a team that I was dead wrong about. A lot of people were dead wrong about after the Paul George trade. I mean, like we talked about over the course of the season, like in the article I wrote, Oladipo transformed his game. Sabonis, Turner have developed. Turner lately more so than over the course of the full season. But they're getting contributions from their key guys, 
but also their contributing players like Thaddeus Young has been solid for them. Call us off the bench, Glenn Robinson third. They they Lance Stevenson, dude. <laughs> they're getting a lot of yep. strong contributions up and down their roster. And they're not a real contending team, but the strides they they've taken this season are very encouraging when they'll actually have a little bit of cap space in the coming years, too. I just looked it up. It was 31 and a half. I mean, they have smashed that already. It's unbelievable. So clearly they are the, in terms of who has outperformed their number, they are the one by a wide margin, a wide margin. I mean, even the Pelicans were projected to win 39 and a half. And I believe, do they already have 40 right now? The Pelicans have 38. So they'll certainly hit the over on theirs, but they have overperformed uh, for certain. The Pacers, good grief, 31 and a half, and they're already at 39. And they may get to whatever, 47, 48 by the time this thing's all said and done. Do you think, while the Pacers have clearly been a good story and have played extremely well, do you think they are a dangerous playoff team? If we're talking against Toronto, probably not. Against LeBron James when he's playing 45 minutes per game, probably not. But I do think that they're a team that can keep it competitive. I don't know if they're they're a danger, but they can certainly keep it competitive with them. To me, it's more like they have shown that this current core with Oladipo, Turner, and Sabonis, and all the surrounding pieces can be a really, really good, really good competitive team. And then they enter this summer with the ability to create a lot of cap space. And if you're a player, maybe you're looking at Oladipo and Turner and Sabonis, and you're like, you know what? I can get paid there, and I can join a winning team. Seems like a pretty good deal. I think they they have shown that they can that they can sustain success and get better with the money that they'll have this summer. Like that that's the way I look at it. If I'm a fan of the Pacers, I'm thinking whatever we do in the playoffs, great. It's the bonus, but it, but it's leading to something potentially really special over the offseason to get even better going into the next year. Yeah, it's interesting because they have been one of the teams that has had virtually no success with big free agents. Right, they have never, never. They they just don't sign big free agents ever. And the thing in, is, though, is like it's different now because nobody has max cap space. There's like six or seven teams that are gonna be able to hand out a max. And if you're a, if you're a player, some of those teams aren't gonna want to give out a max because they're not the, they're not the level where they're ready to do it. Or they're a team that they're not gonna want to pay a long term. $17 million annually for that matter, never mind the max. The Pacers are the team where they're ready to give that money because they're trying to win. They're ready to win. And I I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what they want to do with their non-guaranteed contract. Bogdanovich, Collison, Jefferson, all non-guaranteed. And then their younger younger players also have non-guaranteed deals. Team option for Lance yeah. Stevenson. So a lot of their core guys off the bench have options or non-guaranteed deals, but they do have the ability to create a lot of space. And if maybe if there's a player out there that they want to target or that they think they can sign, then it's worth going for them. All of this stuff is so fluid. I mean, even as of right sure. now, the different yeah. uh, the seven the seven seed as of today is the Milwaukee Bucks, and they are three games back from being the three seed. So within you know, by the time we speak next week, we could be talking about the Bucks being the three seed. You just never know with how fluid all of this stuff is. That being said, I saw the Bucks in person last night. Brandon Jennings was just out of yes. his mind. I mean, came back from China and was just, he, he kept putting, and I get it, it's the Grizzlies, they lost 18 in a row. Um, <laughs> but he was, but he was, he was everywhere. I mean, he was rebounding. He was finding guys across the court. He was putting pressure on the defense all the time. He looked in great shape. He's been playing over in China this year, but just, um, I mean, my first impression was, holy mackerel, I could see him, you know, you get into a playoff game, he could come off the bench and maybe get you, you know, 10 or 12 real quick. And maybe, you know, certainly uh, because he's so damn fast and they've got some real runners on that team, obviously Henson finishes stuff and you've got Giannis that he could help them and inevitably they'll get Brogdon back too. If he can get in the rotation, and then you have Brogdon, who you can also play alongside Bledsoe, you're talking about two rotation guys, possibly, that you could throw in a in 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 a theoretical playoff lineup, right? That could get minutes for you. The big thing that stuck out to me last night, and I tweeted about this, I mean, it's 17 years of a team that I have covered. I have never seen any Bucks gear in a stadium ever, ever. 
And last night there were Giannis jerseys <laughs> everywhere. And it speaks to the massive leap he has taken in stardom, right? That there would be that much gear in a crowd. It was a real wake-up call in terms of how big he has gotten nationally. And even in the NBA's smallest market, you can look around and see his jersey everywhere, just like you see when it's Russell Westbrook or LeBron James or some of the other superstars that come through town. The other was, I was very focused on Jabari Parker. I know you loved Parker once upon a time. Yep. I did too. I feel horrible for the kid because of his injuries. Yeah. Oh, yeah of I mean, course. Yeah, yeah. He's lost, you know, basically two seasons yep. already. And he's clearly coming back still from all of that, you know, whether it is the conditioning or whether it is the leaping ability or trusting yourself to drive hard to the basket and do something, you can see that it's not just playing without any without any brakes on. And I really wonder what kind of decision is going to be made this summer and what kind of money Jabari Parker uh, commands slash gets. What do you think? Well, just quickly on Jennings, it's just something else to me to see how poorly Derrick Rose played on and his debut for the Wolves compared to Brandon Jennings. Just the, the disparity in the performance is remarkable, and that may, may not continue. Uh, obviously, Rose might be a little bit better than he was, and Jennings won't be as great as he was, but it's just something to see how how different a signing can impact the team when they first get back. But as for Parker, he's exactly the type of guy that I think for, not necessarily maybe for the, for the Pacers, but if I'm a team with, with cap space this summer, I'm thinking, yes, Jabari has suffered the two torn ACLs, but when that guy's healthy, and if those torn ACLs are something that's just going to be in the rearview mirror, he's a really good player, man. Like you said, he's still getting back. He's not quite what he was, but he's shooting the hell out of the ball since he has returned. Granted, it's a small sample size, but that was always the big thing with him is the development of his jumper. And even despite the injuries, each year his three-point shooting has gotten better. Each year his free-throw shooting has continued to improve. He's a guy who I still think has a higher level. He's only 22 years old. Turns 23 this week, so only going to be 23 years old when he's a free agent this summer. Interesting fit with the Bucks. I'm not sure if he's the guy you want to pay into that slot based off the composition of your roster. But he's very, very appealing to me if I'm another team in need of a scorer. Well, his age, it, it is so crazy when we think about, like when you mention stuff like that and you talk about how young that kid still is. And and we just get so used to him, right? And they've been in the league for a little while. And then sometimes you there's this shot of realism of just how young they really are. This happened to me last night. And this was this was mind-blowing. The aforementioned Dylan Brooks, right? He's asked after the game about guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo and, you know, about how he's been in the league and he's, you know, obviously one of the great players in the league. And he's like, you know, but he's just a year older than me. And I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> or the guy we talked about earlier, Damian Lillard. He came into the league at age 22 and Jabari's still just 22 now. Crazy. I mean, think about that. Giannis is a year older than a kid that's a rookie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. And you think about the way he has developed, you know, since he has been in the NBA. And you think about how young he still is. And I mean, what the hell is he going to look like when he's 28? <laughs> My God. I know he's the freak, but I can't even... <laughs> I can't even fathom like what that kid's going to look like at 27, 28. That's like three and four years from now. You know, it's the type of thing where, let me just preface what I'm about to say. This isn't a shot at Ben Simmons at all. What I'm saying is, is like on Twitter, a lot of people compared Ben Simmons' rookie season at age 21 to Giannis when he was a rookie. But Giannis was 19 when he was a rookie. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the important thing is, is, is you got to compare ages. And Giannis at 19, um, when he came in, just... He was a little, he's a kid, dude. He's a teenager. Mm -hmm. What he's turned into is something else. And I wonder with Giannis, if the jumper is at like 35% average, is he a like yearly 30 points per game score? Like year in, year out, that dude just drops 30. Yes. Easily. He averages 27 now and doesn't do it. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, the damnedest thing is he really is for everybody out there. You got to see that guy in person to truly appreciate yeah. it. Go that dude him. is eight feet from the friggin' basket and takes one dribble and is at the <laughs> rim. I, never, I mean, it is 
It's bananas. That's why there's the jerseys in the crowd, Chris. That's why there's the the, jerseys. It's the Greek freak. Yes, that's why there's the jerseys in the crowd. And speaking of that whole age thing, you know, I I saw something. I was reading an article yesterday in regards to this upcoming NBA draft that was saying that Aiton is virtually a year older than some of those peers, like Bagley, and then there was one other guy. I can't recall who it was. Maybe it was Bamba. I don't know. But that he was almost a full year older than both of them. And so that that should be taken into consideration. And I was like, oh, I didn't even, I just, I just figured all freshmen were about the same age or roughly yeah. the same age. Right? Some, some guys do that leap year thing where they yeah. reclassify others. They might've stayed back when they were in elementary school or something. Yep. Yeah, right. You never know. Or obviously depending on the portion of the country that you grow up in, yes. you end up going to kindergarten earlier. Absolutely. In some states you go at four, some you go at five. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. First, I want to tell you about Squarespace. Are you ready to start a new business? Make it stand out with Squarespace with the beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. Showcase your work, blog, or publish content. Even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products, and it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. Use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer service is there to help. Destiny is calling. It says you need a new website. Make it with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code NBA to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com offer code NBA. The other one that I did want to mention, and this is not, unlike Kawhi or Curry or some of the other big injuries, I feel like in many cases, when somebody like Andre Roberson got hurt, we did not give it enough significance. You're right. It matters a lot more than the level of story that it is, right? That it's something that can impact a team in, in a greater way than the name recognition would necessarily, um, would give you. And it has happened again. And it is after getting him back and looking different. Now, Marcus Smart out indefinitely for the Celtics. Do you think that this will have a profound impact on what that team is capable here down the stretch and then, more importantly, in the playoffs? Yes, 100%. That, yeah. that guy is a difference maker. And it feels like a killer, right? It feels yes, like a killer for them. For sure. I think Marcus Smart is obviously one of the game's elite defenders, one of the more versatile defenders at the guard position. Dude can defend up to... And the guy has defended Paul Millsap, Kristaps Porzingis. That's all you got to know about him. But not yeah. only that, he's a really good playmaker. Controls that second unit when Irving's off the floor, who's also up, by the way. They're going to need other guys to elevate their play to an even higher level than they already have over the course of the season. And I'm not sure they're going to have enough juice to do it. Yeah, having Hayward go down at the beginning of the season, we've all forgotten that, right? But... That did happen, and obviously it makes your your roster shorter. It, it was only, it, only up from there for every, all NBA fans watching the season. <laughs> do you think this is crazy to say that outside of Kyrie and Horford, Smart is the next guy that they could least afford to lose for the playoffs? Yeah. I feel like they have slack picked up in the other areas, right? Yeah, I think that's fair because of his defensive contributions and his playmaking. Um, I'm, I, but I'm not sure if I... It's close between him and Jalen Brown. But uh, right. I think Smart's defense is just outstanding. I have one question that I wanted to ask you, Chris, oh, about, about the please. Celtics. Um, so Sam Hinkie said something at Sloan um, that's been on my mind lately with Irving being out. And he was talking about Danny Ainge and how he compiled assets and built up to trade for a, this next superstar that would be available. And that star was Kyrie Irving. And, and Sam Hinkie, you know, as intelligent as he is, he's like, well, the thing nobody's talking about now is, was that the right decision? to pull the trigger on Kyrie Irving and, and make that move? Or should they have waited for the next guy? Because there will be more guys that are available. Should they have waited? And I think it was the right decision. I think because those Nets picks would possibly depreciate in value. But it is an interesting question worth asking with Kyrie being out with that weird knee tendonitis and the same knee that that he had the, the broken kneecap a couple years ago. With all that stuff that's happening... Right now, it feels like they made the right choice, but when you look back, it doesn't mean they necessarily did. It's just it's just something that's been on my mind. As great as Kyrie's been, availability is the greatest ability, and right now, Kyrie has not been available. 
I just wonder. But that's just recent. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It is, that's just, it is he recent. has not been a guy over the course of his career that, I mean, he's been, nah. what? I guess, well, I guess the first two years, you know, it was 51 and 59. Clearly, he got injured his last year at Duke. And look, you can't believe every rumor that's floated out there, right? But the fact right. is, is that Kyrie is a guy that had a broken kneecap in the mm-hmm. finals, and he had surgery on that. He had tendonitis at the time it was reported. Then this season, all year, his knee's been managed. There, and then there was a report about the threat that when the, he threatened to have surgery when he was still with the Cavaliers and to miss the entire season. And now late in the season, the knees are the knees acting up. He's starting to miss games. He he missed the Bulls game, and then against the Pacers on Sunday, he played on the first half and didn't come back. And now he's out. I'm not saying you, you believe every rumor that's out there, but it's like sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. And with Irving, it's the type of thing where. I think it was Danny Ainge said on the phone that it's the type of thing that a lot of players have, just something that needs to be managed. But I just wonder, you know, like Sam Hinkie said, will, will, was it actually the right decision? I think it was. I think even if things go sour, it was. But it's just something worth thinking about. I mean, if you get he he had played 72 games last year while shooting 47% yeah. from the field, 40% I, from I mean, three. He's unbelievable. He averaged, 20, <laughs> he averaged 25 points a game, and he's 25 years old. Yes, he's unbelievable. Right? But he's also 25 years old and having a guy who had a broken kneecap and is having knee tendonitis. 25 is not old. I know. What? That's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's, what, that's what I mean. Like He's, oh, he's 25 okay. and he has knee tendonitis on a knee that he previously had a broken kneecap. <laughs> I'm just saying it's scary. It's scary. Kyrie is one of the, the game's great young players. He's still young, as you said. Wouldn't you imagine that they're being extra cautious with him giving the playoffs being around the corner? As they should. As right. they should. They already get their seed locked up. If they got to rest them two weeks, rest them two weeks. Ten and nice yeah. is the type of thing, uh, reading about it on online, seeing what, what other players have done. It's the type of thing that rests is probably the greatest anecdote for that. Well, and yesterday, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that his soreness is no more than tendonitis, and he'll not need to miss any significant time. And even as of now, he's considered day-to-day. Uh, Rub some dirt on it, yep. meaning it's not anything structural. It's just sore. And I mean, hell, they've played 60-something games, you know, and he plays minutes. I mean, your knee's going to get sore. I don't, I I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it unless there's some kind of structural thing or if there is, I think you're being a little too scary on this. Look, I always get scared with injuries. I always do. It's what can prevent players from achieving their greatness. It's what's always, always the concern with Chris Apps Porzingis. It's always the concern. I think, I think medical, it's like with the NBA draft. You're probably not going to draft a guy unless you get to look at his medical records. It's the most important thing. So, yes, I am very worried about that with any player when they have especially lower body injuries. All right. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament uh, starting this week and the fact that this is great scouting time, right? Because so many of the, in fact, uh, uh, you know, the last couple of years, Fultz wasn't involved in the NCAA tournament. Simmons wasn't involved in the NCAA tournament. And yet, when you look down, although outside of Luka Doncic, obviously, who plays overseas, virtually everybody that is predicted to go in the lottery is going to be involved in this NCAA tournament. I think, I think actually all of them. Thank goodness. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that's not going to be there. You know, Trey Young, I swear, when they came out as a 10 seed on Sunday, I was like, what in the hell? I've watched them. I swear. So I, I said to the guy next to me, I said, I swear I've watched them. I feel like I've watched them eight times and they've lost every damn time I've watched them play. <laughs> every day. They and then stink. they said, they said they've lost 11 of 15 or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I said, they I said, stink. you know what? I said I wasn't wrong. They really have lost every time I've watched them. Like I like that wasn't hyperbole. Like they really have. I went back and looked. <laughs> I said, I think, I think they've lost every single game I've watched them play in the last, you know, since January. All right, so they made it as a ten seed. So that would have been the one that was kind of is is Trey Young going to be involved or not? Most of the others were all sol- uh, you know, teams were all solidly in. Who are you most excited? Because, you know, it comes out and then you see the matchups. I know NBA draft scouts were all salivating over the possibility of Arizona playing Kentucky in round number two. If Kentucky can get past Davidson and Arizona, I 
forget who they play, but whoever their first round opponent is, if they can get past them, that you would you would see those two uh, meet up. Was there anybody else that had jumped off the page? Their particular matchup was fascinating to you of the draft class. Well, I'm hoping we get Duke versus Michigan State. That's a matchup I'm really hoping we get at some point. Arizona Kentucky is the one. I mean, even yeah, talking to yeah, people last yeah. night, it was like that. And and I think it's it's that's, in that's Boise, one, Idaho. Yeah. yeah, everything good is in the Midwest. Like San yeah. Diego, I, I was supposed to be going to the games of San Diego, and the games there are terrible, really bad for scouting. Well, and I I live close enough to Nashville, and it's terrible too. The one seed is like Xavier. It's like all right, what am I going to go do? Watch Trevon Blewett? Like, who, who are you getting Nashville? Yeah. <laughs> Nevada, no, Texas. No, Texas. Porter. Porter yeah, yeah, is the one. That, that could be worth it. Go see Michael Porter. Yeah. Boy, see, I tell you Porter. this, Kev. We talked about, listen, I know you were saying that there was no downside to him coming back. I, I disagree after watching the <laughs> SEC tournament. <laughs> because here's the thing, and this is what yeah. I've always said. The unknown is always your your biggest friend. Because I can envision what you could be. Right. I can watch your high school stuff. I can watch when you were healthy and I can sit there and I can say, I can imagine anything. And usually what I imagine is great. Right. And then, but I can't imagine that anymore if the reality is in stark contrast to whatever my vision <laughs> was. And obviously it was in his first game back playing in that SEC tournament and. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's, that was, uh, uh, no matter anybody's opinion on Luka Doncic, that is, that is a grand benefit, right? That, like, if he was playing in this and he was playing against somebody, that is always a benefit that I have to, I have to project and envision what you will be. Very rarely do guys come back and improve. And you can go back to Jared Sullinger or Marcus Smart or Roy Hibbert or, now this year, the Bridges kid, right, at, uh, at Michigan State, or I remember Thomas Bryant, who, you know, was thought to be a possible lottery pick, comes back and it was a problem. Ivan Rabb, who I mentioned earlier. I mean, the, the more, the more we see you, the less of the unknown there is. And that seemingly works against you in the draft over and over. I'm not saying nobody improves their draft stock. I'm just saying in, all too many cases, the unknown is greater than whatever becomes known because we usually overrate <laughs> the unknown. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel, I feel you. And I, I think with Porter, this is something we talked about briefly on uh, Friday's episode of Draft Class. Charks, Tate, and Titus were all on at the same time. And we, we talked about Porter's game he had played on Thursday. And he stunk, as you say. Like, he didn't look good at all. And yes, you have to you have to view that within context. The fact is that it was his first game back after missing games for months. So you can't overreact. But... Porter, what he showed in that game are some of the same exact weaknesses that he had in high school. He wasn't very physical, had trouble creating space in the half court. Not as that, he's a good athlete, but not a great athlete. His offense is largely predicated on hitting, on taking and making tough jumpers. And that's what we saw on Thursday night. Yes, he struggled, but maybe maybe that just shows how far he needs to actually go. Um, not just as a college player, but as a player in general. So I'm, I'll be curious to see how he performs this week. I hope he has a more efficient game because he's certainly capable of it as a scorer. But he needs to show more than just the ability to hit tough jumpers off the dribble. Also, I would have kind of tried to blend in a little bit. I know that this is, you know, your stock is on the line, but <laughs> like, that you. team has been pretty good without you, and they've obviously had other leading scorers without you. And for him to come, I was like, pass the damn ball, kid. You know what I mean? Like, just blend in, right? Come back. That's what I mean. He's not a passer. Like, show it. Show you can do other things, too. Yeah, I mean, that Robertson kid averaged, like, you know, whatever, 16 a game this year, I think it was. You know, Porter, did, he played, what, two games? I think he played two, he, two he, games. He played two minutes in game one, so he didn't do much playing. All right, and then and then he and then you come back and what do you take like seventeen shots or something yep, in seven, the game? Seventeen shots in twenty three minutes. Or eighteen shots is eighteen six for eighteen. I mean, he did have ten rebounds. I give him that, but I mean, five for seventeen. I suppose it was in that Georgia game. The twelve point eight rebounds. Yeesh. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. So you are most looking forward. Do you hope we get to see Duke versus Michigan State? That would be a great, God bless. What an evaluation time for both Jaron Jackson and Marvin Bagley, and who are Wendell predicted Carter. to be 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Wendell Carter, right? Yeah. I, I, you were very effusive in your praise on Carter. You're a big Carter fan. And who was your comp? I think you said Al Horford. Am I right on that? Yeah. I think, I think Horford, that's going to be the guy, one of the guys we have in the, in the draft guide as a comp for him. And then Miles Bridges also on Michigan State uh, alongside Jackson. A lot of guys in that game. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. First, I want to tell you about Hotel Tonight. Fun fact, unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get the amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless list of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect for if you're busy or you don't want to overthink things. Plus, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week, tonight. Books next month, tonight. It's great for a last-minute getaway or a quick staycation. Whether you're a planner or you like to leave things until the very last minute, try Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program. The more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. All right, let me ask you about one particular player before we get out of here. Okay. And that is Villanova's Mikel Bridges. Okay. Um, he is the one amongst all of these kids that are supposed to go high in the draft that is an upperclassman, right? He's a junior. And so, for sure, that will be held against him as it is always, right? He's older than all of these other guys. Um, projects, obviously, to be one of those 3 and D type wings on the next level hit big, big shots in their conference tournament game. And man, I watch him and I think like, you know, when I talk about one of the things you wonder is, is this guy going to suck? Like I see very little possibility that he's going to suck. It's just a matter of how high the ceiling is. Can you foresee a high ceiling for Bridges who, I mean, like I said, it's going to be held against him that he's you know, a junior, whereas the rest of these guys are significantly younger, but seemingly a fantastic player for sure. I think with Bridges, think? it ultimately comes down to who, to his development as a ball handler and as a as kind of a dynamic scorer off the dribble. He certainly can hit spot up threes. He certainly can defend. He certainly knows how to play his role. He's competitive, unselfish player. Um, can make he's a, he moves the ball well as a passer, not a necessarily a playmaker, but he makes the right plays. For him, it's how much does his ball handling develop and how much does his how much does he become a, a good shooter off the dribble? And he's shown flashes. The potential's there, but uh, but it it doesn't necessarily mean he'll get there. Uh, his shot off the dribble isn't quite the same as it is off the catch. Um, but he can certainly improve as he has each year at Villanova. He's a very, very intriguing player. And yes, you're right. The age will be used against him, Chris. Um, but he's still somebody who he might be a pretty nice consolation prize behind those teenagers that go ahead of him. Yeah, he can dribble, pass, and shoot, which are usually guys that I like. And the other thing is, if you could figure the other stuff out, and the kid clearly has a good head on his shoulders, so I would trust that he would be able to figure it out. Plays pretty hard-nosed with a motor, so I like that. The other thing is, like, the the... Just the raw measurables. He is an athletic kid, and he is six 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 seven, and he's got like a seven one wingspan. And so, what's the worst thing, right? You can, you could be a great defender, right? If you're six seven with a seven one wingspan, that stuff is so useful in the NBA right now. Forget all the offensive stuff, right? Just that having that level of length and athleticism on your wing can be very helpful. I think he could be good. I do. I, I, I'm warming up to him a lot. Right now for the draft guide, I, the comparisons I have are Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore, Tony Snell, which don't feel great to me. I feel like there's a higher-end player to compare him to. Well, it's better than you saying, like, Kawhi. Or, uh, that's what we do with everybody, right? Kawhi. For sure. <laughs> right? I mean, you don't, You want to be careful. For sure. And those, yeah. are, those are supposed to be, like, more realistic comparisons. I think if, he's a, if he were a healthy version of Rodney Hood, That'd be a damn good player to have. Rodney Hood is a good a good player. If he's a more consistent Rodney Hood, a healthier Rodney Hood, great. No, and I can I can appreciate those comps, and here's why: because it is much more likely that guys underperform versus whatever we have for their comp than they overperform, right? For sure. Truth be told, yeah. eight you know ninety percent of the league is those kind of guys, is the Rodney Hoods. You know what I'm saying? They're not the 
the Kawhis and the Giannis's and the, you know, this guy's going to be the next Elijah one. You know, I goofed on that a couple of weeks ago. This guy's going to be the next bird and this guy's going to be the next Ewing and this guy's going to be the next <laughs> Elijah one. And this guy, no, they're not. Well, sometimes right? they you know are. I mean? Sometimes they are, Chris. Sometimes they are, but sometimes we can't they have, are. That's what the players are today. But I'm saying but that can't be the comps for everybody. For the sure. comps can't yeah. for everybody can't be. So I, I can appreciate when the comps, you know, are more attainable, right? Yeah. When they are more like, hey, that's a good player. It's nice to have Rodney Hood on your team. That's a good player. For sure. Right? Like that, that's kind of the goal that, that I have with these comparisons is like, yes, sometimes there you see like for DeAndre Ayton, like you might see Patrick Ewing's name on there. But you also see a lower end guy as well. You, you need different degree. Like, look, there's different outcomes for all these guys. There, mm-hmm. Some guys have a 0.0001% chance of becoming a Hall of Famer. Some guys have like a 5% chance. I think it's the guys with the 5% chance that you can put the high end comp on there. Um, but you also need to balance it with kind of the lower and more realistic outcome for that player. Yeah. I'm not sure that any of these kids are going to be an NBA superstar. That's what I'd say. Until they are. And they're leading the Grizzlies to to hold on now. Historic, I could historic playoff is, runs. No, hold on. Dream big, Chris. I want you to dream big, Chris. No, in years past, <laughs> I could foresee it. Listen, this does not make me happy that I feel that way. I wish there I was a LeBron. I wish there was an Anthony Davis. I wish there was a Carl Anthony Towns. People thought Wiggins could be a superstar or Parker could be a superstar or people thought this was overrated, man. Simmons could be a superstar, but people thought that that was possible. Simmons is becoming a superstar, though. That's what I'm saying. And I don't think that's true with these kids. I just don't. So you still don't see it with DeAndre Ayton. Like you watch him put up 32 and 18 on USC, just completely punked them. He punked them. Punked USC. He is so much bigger than everybody oh, on the court. Come on, man! It's more than just size with eight. Right, look at his look at his steal rate. Look at his block oh. rate. These things. Look at him, dude. I I get it. I get it with the steal and block rates. <sighs> okay, look. I would be curious. I wish there were a stat that could track contested or altered shots without falling, because I think that's something Aiton's pretty good at. He's good at using his body and his arms. Their post defense falling. sucks. Oh, dude, Aiden's gonna does. get drafted by the Grizzlies, and you're I gonna know. fall in love with him. We're gonna oh. talk at summer league in Vegas. And you're like, I, I, I love don't. this guy. He's the I best. Don't. He's great off the court. He's funny. He's engaging. I bet I don't. Like, I can't wait to watch him for the next ten years. That's what you're gonna say to me. I if bet I don't. <laughs> I bet I don't. Oh no! So you're telling me you're you're gonna come? You're like he's he's an idiot. No, he just scares. He, 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 he reminds me of to beat. So I tell you this: if the, <laughs> hey, it, hey, if the, if the Grizzlies love them, which I'm sure they do, you should panic like hell. <laughs> I promise you that, Chris. I promise I'm, you, I'm having I flashbacks. Promise you that. I mean, come on, man. Every time. All right, I don't want to get everybody all mad because I already get enough tweets about it. But, I mean, half the time I watch the guy, he's playing against – it's like me playing against my son. Like, of, oh course my he gets friggin', of course he gets a friggin' ball every time. Like, I mean, I, my kid's never getting the ball. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so much bigger and more physically imposing than him. He ain't getting the ball. You know what I'm saying? He played – listen, I didn't get any tweets after their game against Colorado because Colorado's got a 7-footer and a 6'10". And he fouled out and had eight points and did dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, he goes big against the team whose biggest guy is 6'6", six, six, and everybody's <laughs> chirping me. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't I wait like, till the Grizzlies get eaten. I can't wait. <laughs> I like Bagley. I do. I do. Okay. I like motors, Kev. Yeah. I like motors. I like guys that I feel like when the <laughs> chips are down, they're going to make the big play. I think it's the most underrated thing of any of these guys is like who goes hard all the time. That's why I love him, and that's why I love Sexton, which, by the way, almost puked when you said he could fall out of the lottery. Yeah, good well. grief. Hope you saw him lay waste in that SEC tournament. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty damn stick good. With, stick with me, Kev. Watch DeAndre Ayton carry his team to the friggin' title. I'm sure he will. I, I picked them in the uh, the ringer bracket. Did you really? <laughs> the, we, we, we did ringer brackets, and I, I picked Arizona to win it all. I like that shit's random, dude. <laughs> Nobody loves DeAndre Ayton more than you. No, there are definitely people who love DeAndre Ayton more than me. I don't think so. I think you. I think you are the biggest DeAndre Ayton fan in no, the whole world. I'm not. I'm pretty sure. I see you tweeting about him all the time. DeAndre Ayton this. DeAndre Ayton that. <laughs> 
DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton, right? <laughs> it, don't overthink it. DeAndre Ayton's the best big. I wish he was playing. I wish I, I'd give anything if they were playing Duke. I hope he faces Bagley. Oh, yeah, that's the final I have. I just I just picked the NBA scouting Did you dream. Really? That, that's like all I care about. <laughs> it's Arizona Duke in the final. <laughs> it's not a real prediction. It's just what I want to see. <laughs> that is what you want to see. Yeah, that's so exactly you just, what I want. Did you really pick them to be yeah. each other in the final? Yeah, Arizona versus Duke in the in the final. Yeah, I don't care who wins. I just want the best scouting matchups. So here, I just want to see if I'm going to get chirped in the first uh, in the first round of this thing. Does a Buffalo have anybody on their team that is over six foot five? Because oh that God. is usually almost every game that I watch that these it's like little kids he's playing against. <laughs> well, um, they are little kids. They're all teenagers. I understand. That, I get it, right? That, that's, why, I mean, he, that's why with like Luka Doncic, he's playing against grown men overseas. All right, Buffalo. Yeah, the tallest guy on their team six eight. They had three guys, six ten, six foot eleven. Who, no, who Buffalo? Yeah, no, those guys don't play. Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah. They play like thirteen minutes per game at the most. Yeah, you're Man, right. They don't play. So I mean, their biggest guy that plays any minutes is six foot eight. Buffalo. Now Kentucky, on the other hand, if they can get to Kentucky. And they play against Kentucky. Kentucky, we know. They got some trees in there. That's for sure. Not as big as they usually are, though. Listen, they go across that front. Everybody they bring in is like over 6'5". You know, even their like wings are like six. Like Knox is 6'9". P.J. Washington, 6'7". Wendian Gabriel, who, my God, did you see him catch fire? Gabriel? Was it Bama? Yes, Bama. He was like 7 of 7 from 3. Wendian Gabriel? Kentucky's intriguing. They they, so. they have some very intriguing players on that team. Shea Gilgis or Alexander, their point guard, who was outstanding against Tennessee. Feels a little bit like yeah. that year that they made the run that everybody thought they sucked. The year they beat yeah. Wichita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Does feel a little yep. bit like that, where they still, in the end, they just got immense talent. They're intriguing for sure. I can't wait to watch this NCAA tournament. I'll settle in and be scouting DeAndre Ayton and hoping I warm up. I hope you do, Chris. And then maybe you will allow me into the fan club. Oh, you're you're totally welcome. Doors always open. I oh, know you're the president. All right, Kev. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, Chris. Have a good one. That's gonna do it for another Ringer NBA show. We will talk to you next week. Hey!